and welcome to a very spooky episode of Our Three Crypts, a podcast that celebrates the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dun Dun Dun! (laughs) And joining me are my two most horrific fiends, my childhood fiend, Christopher Dower. And my adulthood fiend, Minty Boop. Please don't be so formal, call me Dracula. And we have taken a break from our usual countdown of our top 100 video games of all time to talk about some spooky games. Games that have scared us. Games that we have enjoyed whilst they have scared us. And scary games in general. Do you like to be scared, Minty? No, not in the slightest. (laughs) I'm night manager at a theatre. Oh, I would not take that job. (laughs) So... Every time I rock into work, I have a whole six hours ahead of me, taking tickets, directing people to the toilets, telling people how to do their jobs. <laughs> but when it comes to locking up, and I'm in there, I'm on my own in an 18th century grade two listed converted <laughs> Presbyterian church. Oh, it gets a bit. <clears throat> Every single time that I lock up the building. I'm reminded of a story. Oh no. Two friends are on holiday and they stay in a hotel. One friend goes up because they're not feeling well to the hotel room. And the other friend doesn't want to disturb them as she's about to go down for dinner, but she needs to freshen up her makeup. So she doesn't turn the lights on and she sort of hears heavy breathing. And she's like, oh, that's just my friend sort of sleeping, snoring. So I won't turn the lights on, but I'll just grab my makeup bag and then uh, I'll head down to dinner. And then she gets tapped on the shoulder by a policeman. And she says, I'm sorry to say that your friend has been murdered, but we need you to come upstairs because there's something you need to see. And they turn on the light, direct her into the bathroom, and written on the mirror in lipstick, it says, lucky you didn't turn on the light, otherwise it would have been you too. And every single time I lock up the building, I'm reminded of that. And the initial fear that I felt reading that story is amplified by this cold and dark, expansive network of corridors of my workplace. I don't care for that. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be honest. I've never had to buy fibre supplements. (laughs) I've never had to enjoy a horror game because why would I go through that in my spare time? When you said that you only live three minutes from your workplace, Minty, I didn't realise that that was actually a mile. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like horror films for a really long time and I still need to be in the right frame of mind for it and that is girded <laughs> mm. but I do I do like it I've, I've always enjoyed studying horror films uh, at film school and uh, in uh, mm. even in media studies are uh, utterly fascinating so I'm a big fan of horror films but I don't like to be uh, yeah it's they're scary a lot of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> But recently, I have quite enjoyed watching horror films. Uh, me and Sammy do like to sort of curl up sometimes and, and watch a horror film. Scary games, on the other hand. I mean, I've never been one like, oh, it's going to make you feel awful. It's not a really good sort of selling point for me. But I like I like my games to have a darker edge. For horror to be the subgenre of the piece rather than the... Um, the protagonist genre, as it were. <laughs> Chris, what about you? You, 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 uh, you're a bit of a scaredy cat. I'm terrible. I'm, I'm not good with spooks at all. No. And in, in terms of films, I generally shy away from horror films entirely. 
And, and to be honest, sometimes I even find the tension of thrillers quite hard work because it often yeah. means that you're kind of so tense within yourself that directors often resort to kind of either cheap jump scares or like the faux jump scares of like a big sudden noise to, to capitalize yeah. on that feeling. And I, I can't handle it. I find it really hard work. <laughs> and I mean, games aren't really any different for me. Like in terms of my, my exposure to horror gaming comes mainly from maybe watching other people play stuff. Or if I try and play stuff, it's usually like five minutes before I chicken out. <laughs> Over the years, there's, there's been loads of times when I've attempted to play traditionally scary games and almost every time I've failed. And it means I miss out on games that I know are really highly regarded. And that kind of really upsets me because I, I want to have like a good working knowledge of, of games as a medium. I feel like it's become part of, part of my character that I, I want to know what these games are like. But I can't play something like Silent Hill 2 and 3, you know, games that are massively well-revered. And I was never able to play stuff like Eternal Darkness. And these days, I can't play modern first-person scary games either, like Amnesia or Outlast. Oh, yeah. Or no. loads of VR games. You know, they're, they're all just oh. way beyond what I can manage. And I mean, I remember back in the PlayStation 2 era, I played a demo of Silent Hill 4 with our friend Gene. And for those that have not played it, like it, shot, it was different to normal Silent Hill because it started in a first-person section before it moved into third-person. And at the beginning, you just you start in a locked apartment that you can't get out of all in first person and after a little bit of scene setting at the beginning you hear a noise from another room and then when you kind of like steal yourself to, to walk into that room and see what happens there's just a cavernous hole in the wall which the game is like do you want to do you want to have a crawl through here <laughs> and we both of us were like well fuck that just turn the game off now then we're not going to play any more of that <laughs> who knows what happens beyond that point because the hole itself was too scary and i mean i think most upsettingly is the inability to play a game that's often cited as one of the best of all time, which is Resident Evil 4. Like, people love this game. You know, I, the first exposure I had was watching you play it, Jonathan, back in the GameCube. Ah, yeah. And back then, it's like I saw it and was like, I, I could play this. It's like, you know, it's action heavy. I could do that. I bought it on the PlayStation 2 when, when I had my console back then. Managed to get to the first village. So that's, what, 10 minutes into the game? Yeah. Before I just had to switch it off. I bought it for the Wii a couple of years later. And it had surprisingly like robust motion controls and aiming that actually felt really good and managed to just after the village before I bottled out of it. When it came on the Xbox 360, I bought it again. So this is the third time and played until the first boss at the lake, like the, the lake monster. Oh God, and yeah. then was put off from even fighting it because my girlfriend at the time was like, why don't you shoot the water to see what happens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyone who's played it knows what happens. <laughs> why don't you never speak to me again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was the end of that. And then most recently, I've played it on the PlayStation 4, again, trying to get a little bit further. I, re I did reach after that boss this time. So every time I pushed forward a little bit more, but still gave up long before the game was really getting going yeah and i just i can't handle it i can't fucking handle it <laughs> like the, the, the atmosphere of resident evil 4 for being an action game is still so oppressive yeah and and the soundtrack is like so close and claustrophobic and the control scheme like so deliberately hamstrung that i know how good it is like i can see all these things at play i can see the mechanics working together and being like this is a good game and it really upsets me that i'll never have the bottle to get through it fully so there you go, three people uniquely qualified to talk about horror games. Indeed, indeed. What are we doing? <laughs> it reminds me of one of my earliest horror gaming memories, which is playing Doom 3. Doom 3 has the best horror game mechanic ever, which is you can hold a gun or a torch. That's genius. <laughs> yeah. And I'm annoyed that they've changed that in recent re-releases of the game because I think that's just genius. 
But obviously, as soon as the lights go out and I'm walking through and a demon jumped out at me, I turned it off and never played it again. <laughs> Probably the horror game that I put the most amount of time into was the original Slenderman game, the eight pages. Oh, God. How did you manage something like that? It, mate, it was horrible, but it was such a communal activity at uni. Yeah. And people would, you know, would sort of gather around and play it. And I mean, I would never, I, I wouldn't often play it on my own. I'll say that much. Yeah. But that was obviously horrendous. But most recently, I had, I, I think, probably the closest I've ever come to experiencing trauma playing a horror game was playing the opening scenario of Resident Evil 7 in VR. Oh, God. <laughs> and I, I'd, I'd resisted playing it because I was like, I'm, I know I'm not going to enjoy this. I, it's just too much for me. I, I'm not going to enjoy it. But my friend Steve insisted that I, I at least gave it a go and he said he'd be there while I played it. It was just after me and Sammy had got engaged and the opening scenario is you're this guy who's basically his fiance has been kidnapped or has disappeared and you need to find her and track her down. And you find her, she's not doing great and she then turns into a zombie and is like chasing you and... It was, because of the VR nature of it, it was so... Apparently, when I took the helmet off, I was just, like, white as a sheet. And I was, I remember feeling really wobbly, like, really wobbly, like I'd had some sort of, like, a panic attack or something. It was it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. There is no way in hell I'll ever go through that again. It's just no way, no, just absolutely no way. What scared you the most, Chris? Probably VR as well. Like I mentioned, obviously, Doom 3 being that mechanic of, of the light or the gun was was a fantastic idea, but something that would, means I can never play the game outside of the modern re-releases uh, that, that get rid of that. But in terms of VR, when I first got my headset, I picked up a whole bunch of games from launch, including um, Until Dawn Rush of Blood, oh, which yeah. was like a, a, a side offshoot of the Until, Until Dawn series that on paper again I watched videos I was like I know it's kind of horror themed but I think I can deal with it it's basically an on-rail shooter where you're in like a, a roller coaster and then it stops at points along the track and then you shoot things and I was like well it's just time crisis isn't it horror time crisis I can do that and I managed one single stage of maybe like the 10 in the game even with like infinite ammo in, in my dual pistols every single enemy that appeared every single flash of light, every single off-camera noise, it's like I felt like I am fully going to shit myself. Like I don't, I don't think I'm going to get to the end of this game with a clean pair of trousers. And again, it's just sat on the shelf ever since. So I played that game for maybe 20 minutes the day I got the VR and I've never put it on again. I don't even think it's that scary. It's just, it's the atmosphere of these things I, I can't handle. And yeah. VR, like you mentioned with, with Resi 7, it's like it amplifies things to such a ridiculous extent that you, you feel you are fully in danger. And, uh, but yeah, I can't handle it. Can't do it. Minty, what game has scared you the most? We've established that I am a huge wuss. <laughs> so why would I actively seek out things which make me feel terrible? Peer pressure. <laughs> yeah. Same as the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. The only out-and-out -out horror game that I've ever played was the first half an hour of Silent Hill 2 which I played when I was 17 in the blazing light of summer <laughs> with my then partner giving me moral support and I'd unlocked the apartments and I was sort of nobbing around skipping every cutscene because I didn't want to see what happened to whatever happened to Whitey and he stuck his hand in 
and in that hole in the in flat 20b or whatever and picked out the key it was all going great but then you picked up the radio and there was just that extra element of uh, creeping dreads there's the, the radio static building as you were as you approached an enemy and I walked down this one corridor and there was there was the freaking pyramid head the <laughs> red pyramid whatever you want to call him I was just like I don't care what you think of me I'm not going to play this anymore because I am terrified <laughs> and that's been yeah. my experience with many games that people might loosely associate with horror games Condemned 2 I got that for Christmas <laughs> as soon as I heard somebody giggling in the apartment across the way I was like whoop let's stick on Viva Piñata <laughs> <laughs> So we've each picked a game to talk about at length, which is either our favourite horror game or our favourite horror gaming experience, starting with Chris. Can you please tell us about your spookiest game? Right. Now, you, Jonathan, have mentioned hating water levels in games before. Yes. And I genuinely believe that most people find their patience and anxiety levels tested by water levels, especially if they're a game like, say, uh, early Sonic titles that have like a finite air mechanic. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it was really common in kind of character platform games of that era to include this idea that if you're underwater, you've got to, you've got, got to find that air, you've got to get out, you've got to, you've got to take a breath or you're going to drown. Terrifying. And they would usually have, yeah, some kind of like pressing... Dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 dun. <laughs> a pressing musical accompaniment that, that would really put the willies up you, as it were. Oh, yeah. I think it was sensible that early titles in the Mario series, for some reason, just inferred that he was basically amphibian. So in, in 2D Mario games, you can just swim infinitely with your head under the surface causing no issue to Mario's bodily function and although that doesn't make sense in the real world I think it it makes sense in the game world the same way that being able to kind of correct the course of a jump something which is obviously physically impossible in real life makes sense in something you're controlling like a 2D game so being able to swim and breathe underwater without issue kept it fun and I think it was a, a deliberate choice to say, okay, we, we want the physics to be different. We want a different challenge of having to get through like a water section, but without making you worry about like your air resources. And a game that never got this memo from the same era and, and the one I want to talk about as being something that terrified me as a kid and, and I still am terrible at now is uh, Echo the Dolphin. Oh. A game that, that even as an adult, I, I can't play. Notorious horror game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, I, I got a copy of Echo the Dolphin at a car boot sale when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, I... I wasn't clever enough to, to know that dolphins were in fact mammals and needed air to breathe. And I also wasn't clever enough because my age to understand that the user interface was designed to show me that my air was, was steadily dropping in the top corner. And because of that, at the time, I never made it past the very early game. Almost from the word go, the whole game is just you being forced into labyrinthine underwater passages. No, 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 that's horrible. <laughs> it's filled with like odd uh, depth loving sea creatures. And, and despite the game having like oh. an ethereal, quite nice soundtrack, and it's meant to carry like an environmentalist message. The whole thing is about sort of, um, you know, aliens as an analog to pollution and things like that. But playing it is just pure horror as everything you do is just fighting to navigate to any pocket of air to keep yourself alive. God. Oh, no. As a child, a dolphin is a friendly thing. You, you want the dolphin to live. <laughs> I could care less about Mario. If he drowns, he's, he's just a little lad, isn't he? But this is a nice, this is a nice dolphin that I want to stroke its face. Straight away, <laughs> I, I don't understand. Like, when this was designed, I don't understand why the designers sat down and said, we want to have an air limit in this. And obviously, I know, like I've said, a dolphin is a mammal. It needs air to breathe. But Yeah, but it can hold its breath for two hours. Yeah, and it's a game where... 
you know, Echo the Dolphin as a character can talk to magic stones. <laughs> Echo the Dolphin has to fight a sort of alien invasion, like I said, as an analogue for pollution. This is no time for fun. Yeah. Was that really point when the developers went, no, no, I mean, they'll suspend their disbelief to chat to geodes, but being able to swim freely underwater, that is bananas. <laughs> like, it's stupid. It's really stupid. And it's a game that you know it's a Mega Drive game which means I should really enjoy it yeah. but it's one that not only do I not love for a change but it's one I barely even like <laughs> like it's a game that, that falls away as soon as it's made its elevator pitch because you sit down it's like right so you're a dolphin okay got that and you spend the entire game drowning and then replaying sections like some sort of uh, underwater purgatory it's like I don't want to I don't want to play that game I don't want to play that game and even going back to it now like I said as, as an adult it, the, the few times I've sort of picked it up to see what it was like it's so claustrophobic and so like dizzying in its stage design that I, I genuinely believe it's a survival horror game and for the same reason I'll never beat Resident <laughs> Evil 4 I will, I will never beat Echo the Dolphin the chances of me getting through this game are slim to none so yeah, absolutely <laughs> horrific, despite the fact the box has a big old smiling dolphin on the front. Yeah, I mean, I can totally sympathise with that. It sounds like it would be a nightmare to play. Yeah. I don't like the sound of any of that, <laughs> apart from the bit where you said, happy smiling dolphin. Yeah, well, just look at the box then. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll buy the box. But you know, God. Oh, that sounds awful. Yeah. Minty. Let me regale you with a tale of my first exposure to a game that could be considered a horror game just to sort of set the scene for my particular uh, threshold for horror gaming. The first game that I ever played that could be considered a horror game was the original Doom. And I was dreadful at it because I'm just dreadful at shooting games. But yeah, Doom in particular. And I, I remember very distinctly, I was playing it one Saturday morning in the computer room, which was also mum and dad's bedroom because that's where the computer <laughs> was. <laughs> Loaded up Doom as Dad was catching up with Match of the Day. We picked up the Ultimate Doom, which was a collection of Doom 1, Doom 2, and the Master Levels for Doom 2. And I was playing through Doom 1 on I'm Too Young to Die, which uh, seasoned listeners will realise is the uh, lowest difficulty <laughs> setting. And I, yeah, it, it was, uh, for my young mind, it was so terrifying that... Whenever I heard any demons snarl, mm -hmm. and I hadn't picked up any extra weapons, so I would just hold down the left button and hold and the shoot button, and just shoot the pistol in a circle, going, <laughs> as if that would give any AOE damage to anything ever. So yeah, that's my threshold for any kind of horror experience in any game ever. Moving on a couple of years to Ocarina of Time, I had a friend over and we were we were sitting in my room in our in our bright blue school jumpers and he was playing through the Shadow Temple of Ocarina of Time for me. Oh. I'd been putting off this particular uh, segment of the game because I had been absolutely scarred by the zombies in that game because they'd just be sort of standing there. You walk up and then they go... <laughs> And then they start, and they sort of get on you like a like a backpack and start chowing down on the top of your head. And, oh, hated it, <laughs> hated it. Yeah, the bottom of the well and the shadow temple in particular, just because of uh, the redeads and the gibdos. I'll, I'll never forget what my friend said to me. He was like, "I'm playing through this because I've got courage." <laughs> so if you're out there, Christopher, fuck you, you patronising shit. 
<laughs> but despite that, after you went home, I did have to have my mum and my sister sit on my bed as I played through the rest of that dungeon so that I could complete it with that uh, familial safety net. And then moving on a couple of years after that, I had to ask my dad, Paddy Booth, into the room as I played through Metroid Prime <laughs> because I was extremely frightened by the Chozo ghosts. That was the worst part of the game. You, d- you didn't know when they would turn up. You just walk through a door and then you'd hear... And then the music would become extremely dangerous. Would everything would go dark? Yeah, everything would go dark. You couldn't you, you couldn't tell where they were because you didn't have the echo visor at that point. So they were just this ethereal menace. And oh, yeah, can't handle it. So now that I've uh, realised where my boundaries are in terms of uh, getting spooked in video games, the sweet spot between enjoying a game. And just being like, no, I'm just going to turn this off and play Mario <laughs> is in quite a few games that I've that I can think of. Uh, in particular, uh, Skyrim, most Dragon Quest games, and Baton Kaitos, Eternal Wings and the Lost Ocean. They will invariably have a main mission or a side quest where a village or subset of people are plagued by terrible nightmares. So in Skyrim, I think it was um, people were cursed by a vampire or something. In Dragon Quest XI, if you went to a particular inn, you would have the same dream as everybody else, which was a knight in ebony armor saying, Oh, such despair plagues my soul. And then you had to free him from his eternity of torment, which you would then work through as the uh, as the chosen protagonist and uh, bring a lot of peace to the region. But uh, Baton Kytos's one was the that was that was like the gold standard of horrifying dream like terror, because it was when you were sort of in the in the end game overworld type deal where you could sort of go anywhere you wanted on on your flying airship. And you sort of got given a load of different um, endgame quests relating to each of the characters in your party. And there was one character with, I mean, let's call them daddy issues. And you would talk to like the pilot of the ship and they say, oh, there's a rumor coming in the dream void. People who are using it to traverse the space between dimensions hear a very mournful wailing. And they keep saying the same name over and over again. Lewd, Lewd. And of course, Lewd was uh, one of uh, the people in your party. Mm-hmm. That kind of anticipation of just something really horrifying happening and the build-up of really spooky set pieces, that's about as much as I can take. So I've never played a Resident Evil game, never played more than half an hour of a Silent Hill game. If anything has anything resembling something spooky in it i've played it with a member of my family in the room to beat it because i'm such a wuss please like and subscribe fortunately for you i think luigi's mansion 3 has co-op in it oh fantastic so for my favorite horror game i decided to trawl through my playing history outside of my top 100 there is a, there's a small small handful of of uh, scary games that are yet to come in my list so I didn't want to spoil them I've also spoken at length about Bloodborne which I played after we finalised our lists but there are a couple of games that I'm really glad to have the opportunity to mention 
Firstly, there was Dead Space, which was a fantastic game, beautifully designed and beautifully made, but I didn't play a huge amount of it because my friend had it on his 360, so I decided to concentrate on a real unexpected gaming horror treat that was Metro 2033. Oh dear. These are all games like I know enough about. To know that you'll never play. (laughs) (laughs) So the premise of Metro 2033 is absolutely great. You're in post-apocalyptic Moscow, where after a nuclear war, the survivors have taken to living in the Metro underground train tunnels, where a new society has started to develop. Bullets are currency and mutated abominations roam the darker tunnels. And there are several incredibly effective survival horror mechanics that worked really, really well in the game to sort of support its general horror setting. Something that I would compare it to is a film like The Descent. And if you haven't seen The Descent, it is a terrifying film. I have seen that one. Oh, yeah, that's... (laughs) Then you will know it is a terrifying film where a group of girls go cave diving and get trapped. And the film is terrifying at this point. Incredibly claustrophobic, tense, just horrible. And then the film turns into a horror film with the appearance of supernatural shit in the caves. (laughs) It's genius in, in that sense. It's a double threat. And Metro 2033 is like this. I was already pretty scared going into the game from the premise alone. And the first time you venture outside of your home station is so tense with every footstep you walk further into the darkness. But that's got nothing on when you first venture above the surface and actually have to survive in this world. In order to survive the radioactive atmosphere that's around, you have to wear a gas mask, which massively restricts your field of view. And it will also slowly fog up the more you keep it on. And couple that with having to keep the filter in it clean and functioning on top of the gas mask itself taking damage during combat as well it i mean it it really really felt that you were struggling to survive and it was it's really really scary it felt like there were finite resources and that at any minute your filter could go your gas mask could go something could jump out you couldn't see and it was just incredibly scary And the system in the game of having bullets work as currency, also genius. It meant that you had to carefully consider every shot that you took and you'd be foraging for empty shells and gunpowder on the bodies of the dead so that you could fashion crappier bullets that did less damage and wouldn't even work as money. It was real like bottom of the barrel scraping surviving. That feeling of proper survival horror is something I didn't feel again until I recently played This War of Mine. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Wowie, yeah. Aside from the kind of brilliant, scary atmosphere in the game, uh, in like the tense sections where like you can even like stealthily try and avoid enemies so you can save on your precious bullets, there are also some brilliant action set pieces that are exciting and exhilarating as the best of any other sort of first person shooter game and the monsters that you were fighting these sort of deformed creatures i mean they were really really well designed it weren't just like an afterthought after building sort of brilliantly designed game world it wasn't just like we need some enemies so here's a generic mutated dog or something they were terrifying they were really fast and that coupled with this sort of restriction of your, your movement and your vision that you had certainly in the overworld was it was just terrifying and, and there were also some huge like monsters as well that were like 
really awe-inspiring. It was just a shame that you couldn't really see them in the darkness of the tunnels or through the cracks in your gas mask to actually fully appreciate the, the design of them. Before I finish, gotta mention the absolutely brilliant soundtrack of the game. The opening cinematic to the game with the music, it was really mournful and beautiful. I mean, it, it literally sold me on the game. And also the, the atmospheric music that's in the game just worked so well. It just created this really sinister lonely i mean it's certainly not the scariest video game i've played and it, but it still was bloody frightening and i definitely recommend it especially as it's now been remade re-released and i think it's coupled together with the second metro game i've never got around to playing the second or third ones simply because i have not played them in the previous years that have been between me and playing the first game <laughs> <laughs> what a weird way of describing it. I have not played these games because in the time since I could have played them, I chose not to. Exactly. But I hope that I will. I've got I've got the remastered version with the second game on PlayStation 4, so yeah, maybe if I can get Minty's family to come and sit on the sofa and watch me play, I might be brave enough to do that. I think it should be a service. Uh, the, the booths will come and sit with you while you play any scary game. They are a good bunch of booths. So there we have it. There are some spooky games for this spooky time of year. Please do get in touch with us and let us know what your favourite horror games are, what your scariest video gaming memories are. What games did you find scary that maybe other people didn't? We want to hear your stories. You can find us on Facebook if you search for Our Three Cents, or you can get in touch with us individually. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me at Chaz underscore Hodges. And you can find me at Clement underscore And please do join us next week where we will be resuming our usual countdown of our top 100 video games of all time. Have a scary Halloween, people! Sleep tight! Oh yeah. Trick and or treat. Delete as appropriate. Eat some sweets. Do stuff with a pumpkin. (laughs) 